Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about avoidance and all the problems that come with avoidance. But before we get to that, I just want to check in and hopefully everybody's doing okay. I know that things with the coronavirus had seemingly started to get better, but then in some places it's not. Um, Also, got dealt with some devastating news today about the Canadian-U.S. border not being able to uh, be open until maybe July 21st now. I know some friends and family are very disappointed about that as we won't be able to see them now for a little while longer. So hopefully that will get corrected soon and we'll be able to travel back and forth to, to visit family. So um, also just with everything, all the political unrest with uh, social injustice and those types of things, um, there was something I was thinking about that. Actually today, I'm actually re-recording this episode um, because there were some things that when I recorded the first time that just didn't I don't know, just didn't feel right, kind of didn't flow as good as I wanted to. And, and, and in the meantime, some things came up that I wanted to add to the episode anyway. So I'm glad that I waited to post it. Um, the first thing is just thinking about the where we're at with the riots and, and Black Lives Matters and trying to create a better feeling about equality in this nation. Um, in 1992, uh, there was a singer by the name of Garth Brooks. You may have heard of him. Um, but he came out with a song at that point. It was during the Rodney King riots in LA uh, that were fairly significant at that time. And his song that he came out with, We Shall Be Free, was met with a lot of backlash at the time. It's probably a song well beyond its time um, as far as what people were willing to accept or think about at that point, but it was very powerful and very moving um, but again, wasn't met with uh, very good uh, vibes at that point. But anyway, so I just wanted to read a couple of the verses from that from that song because I think it's very powerful and very fitting for the time that we're in now. And hopefully instead of like not learning from our history, because history can repeat itself, that we'll actually be able to learn from it this time and be able to progress and move forward. Um, so here's here are a few of the lines from that song. It says, Uh, When the last thing that we notice is the color of the skin and the first thing that we look for is the beauty within, when the skies and the oceans are clean again, then we shall be free. We shall be free. We shall be free. Stand straight, walk proud, because we shall be free. When we're free to love anyone we choose, when this world's big enough for all the different views, that's all the different views, um, when we can all worship from our own kind of pew, then we shall be free. So, I just think that those lyrics are very profound and very fitting for the time that we're in. I think something else is I've, I've thought about this whole process and what's going on is that, you know, I, I heard this on the radio from Colin Cowherd today, and um, I really like some of the things that he talks about. I think he's very progressive in his way of thinking um, for a sports guy. Um, but he talked about the, the the importance of as we're going through this process with one another that we recognize that change is not perfect. It's going to be bumpy and it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's not perfect. You know, people are going to struggle and they can be still striving to make changes, 
but they're not always going to make the right decision and they're always going to, you know, have it come out in the right way. But that doesn't mean that their heart's not in the right place. And I think we have to remember that and we have to be patient with people as we try to move forward and try to do things in a new way. So that's my hope. And I hope that we can take those words, especially the words from the song Garth Brooks, we shall be free and we have more tolerance and more love and more care for those around us. Um, and we reach out and we try to make this world a better place. So that's my spiel on that. And now I want to kind of get into the episode. But first of all, um, just again, if you haven't um, joined the podcast uh, Facebook group, uh, the Las Vegas Therapist uh, or the Vegas Therapist podcast group on, on Facebook, please do so. You can stay connected with the community there. Um, also, if you have any questions about the show or want any kind of topics covered, you can also do make make requests there as well as you can email me at thevegastherapist at gmail.com. And also, if you have not done so, please go to Apple, iTunes, and rate and review the show there. That would be greatly appreciated. All right, so today's topic is avoidance. Now, that may seem like a pretty basic topic um, because it's, you know, I mean, I think we, when we think about avoidance, it's, it seems pretty simplistic in nature, but it can be very complex as far as the degree to which we go to lengths to avoid different things. Um, so we got to be mindful of that, but I've just been thinking a lot about lately because it's come up a lot, um, specifically in a lot of my sessions and I thought it'd be good to do an episode on it. So I think when we really think about avoidance, um, as far as a coping strategy, if that coping strategy is to avoid feeling the feeling of any kind of challenging emotion or thinking of an upsetting thought or to wipe out any painful memory or look away from some type of difficult thing in our lives, the long-term outcome will almost always be poor. And that's, again, if we're using avoidance as a way of doing of dealing with those things. Um, you know, I think uh, it's it's important to remember, too, with avoidance that avoidance really can undermine our ability to to learn new things and to be intimate with others and also to face um, you know any kind of fears that we have and so it kind of handcuffs us away from those things um, so I thought about a good analogy to kind of to think about when we think about avoidance and this analogy is kind of similar to the one used in the movie the replacements if you've seen that um, you know Shane Falco the quarterback played by Keanu Reeves He's asked a question about playing in a game and kind of how uh, things can kind of fall apart and what that feels like. And he uses the, the analogy of quicksand. And so I thought quicksand is kind of a good analogy for avoidance as well and kind of what it does to us. Um, because if we find ourselves in quicksand, um, the way that we try to move through it makes all the difference as to whether we're going to sink or be able to get out of it. And avoidance in the way of the same thing, like being in quicksand and seeking is that, you know, I think the more we avoid, it kind of begats more avoidance and the pain and the struggles are like the quicksand and they just kind of pull us down and it surrounds us and we just kind of get sucked down into it. Um, and if you kind of think about something like substance abuse, um, that's often used as a way of avoidance. You know, we may start out with a little and continue to use more and more. Meanwhile, we're creating more and more pain and more and more pain is building up around us. And again, the problems just get bigger and bigger and kind of suck us down and suck us in. And then we feel trapped or we feel like we can't get out or we feel, you know, like we're, we're stuck. 
just kind of like what quicksand would do to us um, if we were in it or if we don't move through it in the right way. So it's important to, to move through our difficulties in the right way and not just to put them off and uh, not deal with them. So there's a, book, uh, there's a book I've been reading called The Liberated Mind by Stephen Hayes. And pretty much the whole book talks about um, the, the negative impacts of avoidance. And he kind of goes on to talk about how the idea of avoidance really leads to what he calls psychological rigidity in our lives. And what we really want to have is psychological flexibility. But he uses a term called experiential avoidance, and he defines that by the process in which we run from, we run from or attempt to control our personal experiences slash thoughts and feelings, uh, as well as the external events that give rise to them. So whether that be going to like a party or trying to cope with some type of death of a loved one, um, that's in a sense what we're doing. We're trying to control those things or those, those thoughts and feelings so that we don't get triggered by external events. So the key there is really external events tend to equal triggers. And thus, because they are triggers, we tend to avoid them because we don't want to deal with those thoughts and feelings that are associated with that. Now, part of the reason we do that is because um, our mind tells us it's an easy way to avoid pain. You know, if we just don't think about it, ignore it, put it push it away, um, then we just won't have that pain. But as I've talked about already a little bit, and, and as I think we go into this more, um, it's important to note that avoidance typically only compounds our difficulties, and also it restricts our capacity to feel at all. Um, so that's that's the thing that I think we don't always think about is that um, avoidance tends to just take all feeling away from us and we just kind of are, are stuck in just this, this neutral place um, where feelings are evaded from us. So um, the other thing that I think it's important to, to po point out when it comes to avoidance and, and Stephen Hayes talks about this book, he talks about the notion of what he calls the dictator and the dictator um, is this voice inside of our head that wreaks havoc with us and it plays on our on our mindset in relation to our fears in relation to what's going on for us and so it it just expands those things and makes them worse or it makes the the idea of facing those things worse so it's kind of like um one of my clients actually used this analogy and i thought it was is very fitting she kind of she talked about it because she'd been reading the book and she talked about uh, the similarity between Anakin Skywalker and Palpatine, um, who in this case would be kind of similar to the dictator or the voice in your head. And what Palpatine did was that he really played on Anakin's insecurities and resentments and just reinforced them in his mind as a way of trying to manipulate him. Um, so the big, the big one that Anakin had was his fear of loss. He was afraid of losing people in his life. He'd lost his mother. And after kind of losing his mother, he vowed not to, to want to not to lose anybody again or to really experience that pain. So he wanted to avoid the pain of loss. And so he wanted to do whatever he could to, to not have that happen. So he thought if he could have all this power, um, that he could overcome death or at least bring people back to life. And again, Palpatine kind of like, you know, really messed with him when it comes to that fear of loss and use that as a way to make him think that if he would fall into his way of being, that he could have this power over death and that he could, you know, save the people around him and not have to experience that type of pain um, that would, would, would come if with loss. And so that was very enticing to him. And so 
that's kind of in some sense what the dictator does to us is that it kind of gives us these thoughts or these ideas about why dealing with things in our lives is not a good idea, why our fears um, have, you know, have validity or kind of it will reinforce those fears. Um, maybe it kind of the give us the sense of like all the worst case scenarios that could happen by dealing with our fears or by dealing with things um, and all the things that could go wrong and kind of puts that out there in center stage. And so then we often, when we think about, or when we maybe start to get the courage up to, to face something, we maybe back away from it because, you know, there's that voice in our head or that dictator kind of telling us all the bad things that's going to happen if we do so. So, a lot to kind of pay attention to as we think about avoidance and and what and what it what it's like in our lives or or maybe why we stay stuck or stay away from things is it's not just it's not always just about the pain but it's about now how we've kind of trained ourselves or how that voice in our head um, continues to kind of work on us as we you know go through life um, and as I mentioned before um, you know how avoidance not only does it compound our difficulties, uh, but it also restricts our capacity to feel. Another thing along with that is, is that, you know, when we think about avoidance, we typically associate it to just avoiding pain. But once we go down the path of avoiding pain, soon enough, we may start to avoid joy as well. Um, now, I think something like this is not necessarily immediate, but it can happen over the course of time as our tendency to avoid difficult, um, difficult experiences or difficult things uh, tends to increase, then it, we we kind of just go through it more and more. Um, Brene Brown, uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with her, but she uses the term foreboding joy, which in short is just the sense that if you're happy today, you might be disappointed tomorrow. So it's better just to be neutral or numb as a way to protect yourself um, from any potential pain that could come from you know being happy which when you think about it again is a terrible way to live. So you're basically saying, okay, yes, I could have joy or yes, I could have these good moments, but I'm going to choose not to, or not to really embrace them for what they are because if I get too happy or too um, excited about stuff, then the, the, when the pain does come, it'll be that much greater. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what some people do. And then maybe that sounds ridiculous to some, but it is definitely what people do and what they will do as a way of protecting themselves from any kind of pain. Now we got to remember too, avoidance is provoked. Avoidance is in a sense is provoked when our emotions move beyond our comfort zone. So obviously the, the one thing about that is, is that with the more that we avoid, the more, I guess, sensitive or less our comfort zone becomes, meaning like what can send us into discomfort um, really can become minor or not that, not that, I guess, much per se. And so we've got to be careful about that is that avoidance takes away our tolerance to deal with discomfort. And so we've got to really be mindful of, of what we're doing to ourselves when it comes to that as well. Um, so just to give you some kind of examples, when it comes to something like, say, trauma, um, avoidance is another thing that's really problematic there. And I think a lot of people feel valid um, in their, I guess, avoidance of trauma or trauma-related triggers, um, because obviously whatever they experienced was was very painful and very um, deep for them. And so the idea of like reliving that or feeling the pain that associated it seems like, well, that that's something that they shouldn't do. 
Um, now with, for me, I use in trauma therapy, uh, with people like PTSD and stuff like that, I use a therapy called prolonged exposure therapy. And in that therapy, it suggests that when you avoid, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to work through the memory or to think about it in a more helpful way. So thus it never gets better. Um, so the way through the trauma essentially is to face it head on so that you can learn, and this is the important part here, that you can learn to control the traumatic memories instead of them controlling you. And that's really what's happening is that not only you're not being able to think about it in a better way, but that memory is controlling you to the point to where you're basically, you know, not in some sense, not living because you're maybe avoiding people, you're avoiding places, you're avoiding things that can trigger that trauma. And so therefore, um, you know, you're, you're shortening the way in which you live. Sorry, I just had to take a drink there. Um, but, uh, and and this and I, so I want to kind of give you an example of this. Now, this isn't necessarily like like the maybe the type of trauma like war or or seeing somebody killed or anything like that. But I mean, trauma comes in all type of forms. And I've been working with a client recently who experienced some trauma in a recent relationship. And as we discussed kind of some of the different things he was avoiding, he brought up his avoidance of Alexa. And so you might think, well, who's Alexa? Well, Alexa as many of us know, is the voice from the Amazon gadget that speaks to you when you say, hey, Alexa, play such and such, or hey, what's the weather, Alexa? That's the Alexa that we're talking about. And you might think, well, why in the heck was he avoiding Alexa? Well, um, he found himself getting actually triggered and flooded with emotion when he would ask, ask Alexa to play certain jazz songs, um, because that was something that he did in this relationship. He'd never really used Alexa before. And this person that he was with introduced him to it. And they, so they would mess around with it and play with it. Um, so there was this emotional connection and tie to the relationship with Alexa too. And so after getting out of the relationship, he found that when he tried to use Alexa, um, he got super emotional and just had to like step away and get away from it because he was being flooded with all this, this emotion. Um, so ultimately what he ended up doing was just avoiding Alexa altogether. So we started down this path of kind of like what prolonged exposure therapy teaches you is to basically expose yourself to the trauma to try to have a, again, a better memory or a better way of thinking about the memories so that they're not controlling you. So we started having him trying to take control of that and deal with that. So instead of avoiding it, he would face it and he would continue to ask Alexa to play songs throughout the week and um, and just be able to kind of sit with it and grow that tolerance and grow that sense of discomfort that he felt as he would sit and listen to those songs. And, you know, and, and obviously it, it's a process, but it's something that's been getting better. Um, so again, the, the important thing there is remember that to remember that no matter what it is, avoidance will only make it worse because it's just sitting there in this kind of un, maybe undealt with state, if you want to use that, that kind of term. And so we don't really know where it's at until all of a sudden it hits us. And then we realize there's still a lot of pain there. So it really is better to just face it head on, learn how to deal with it, learn how to create, start to create different memories around the trauma, and then really try to improve it by, you know, 
can, you know, creating your, creating different memories um, that can be attached to it as well. So that's the, that's the theory behind that. And again, it's another example how avoidance or how not avoiding can help us to grow and help us to, to deal with these things that, that do cause us discomfort and that have kind of put us into this place of, of, you know, like I said earlier, where like our, our pain threshold is kind of being, you know, tested and we're able to work through that and improve that. So, um, so I think when we think about avoidance in general in our lives, we need to think about two different things. One is, um, you know, ultimately what am I avoiding and then how am I avoiding it? Um, now what I'm avoiding, there can be a laundry list of, of things that we could be avoiding our lives. Um, so I just want to kind of go through a few different things that I've seen people avoid. Um, obviously like the one we just talked about, it could be some type of trauma, childhood pain, sexual abuse. Um, people avoid fears or dealing with their fears. Um, people avoid situations that cause anxiety, like people, public speaking or social events. Uh, people um, avoid dealing with maybe different hurts and offenses they've received in their lives. Um, something that shouldn't be surprising, but people also avoid their marriages, meaning that they're in a marriage um, but yet they avoid dealing with the, the problems that may be going on in the marriage um, because they don't want to deal with that pain or that hurt that could go along with that. Uh, people also avoid confrontations with, with individuals. Instead of standing up for themselves, they just kind of go the opposite way. They people please. They do whatever it takes to avoid the confrontations. Uh, people also avoid intimacy. Um, they, they avoid... Um, having intimacy in their relationships. Maybe they've had bad experiences with intimacy. And so then they just decide to avoid it altogether. Uh, people also avoid themselves. You know, they don't like to be alone. They don't like to be alone with their thoughts, with, with thinking about things that could be painful. So they just try to continually occupy themselves in a way to not, to make, to ensure that they're not alone. Um, and of course people try to avoid loss or rejection and, um, you know, and they maybe do that by just not experiencing life or, uh, not putting themselves out, out there in a way where they could be rejected. Uh, so there's lots of different ways that we can avoid. And I think about, you know, a couple of different clients I'm working with right now, you know, I mentioned the one about avoiding ourselves or not being alone. You know, I have people that will be perpetual relationship people, even though the relationship relationships are bad or they continue to be bad or they continue to be unhealthy. Um, they just continue to put themselves in those situations as opposed to deal with pain that they've experienced in their life or either from relationships or from other things that is causing them to have difficulties in relationships. They just rather, um, not be alone and continue to try to work it out in a relationship and hope that it will fix itself in a relationship because they just don't want to be alone. So that's not recommended. I would say, um, I've had people that I'm working with that, you know, have, and again, they can be little, but they grow into big things, just little hurts, little offenses that they don't deal with, that they just let build up, that they think it aren't a big deal, but before they know it, now they have these kind of big self esteem issues or things of that nature that are impacting them because they've allowed these little hurts and little offenses just to kind of be ignored and, and not be dealt with. Um, and I mentioned before, even about the intimacy thing, I think there's a lot of people in marriages that avoid intimacy. Um, again, either because they feel like they're not doing it right or they're um, not doing it well, or because they don't have maybe know how to ask for their needs to be met. 
um, in a relationship. And so because they don't do that, then they, again, they just avoid it altogether. But meanwhile, there's pain that's happening. You know, it's, it's painful to be in a relationship where you avoid intimacy. You might convince yourself that there's not pain, but there's definitely pain there that's happening. So, um, so all these different things that people are doing in, in a sense, in a way to avoid um, dealing with something is still causing pain. They just convince themselves that, themselves that they're not, or the dictator is telling them it's a better way, or their brain is saying, hey, there's less pain by doing it this way. Um, and again, like I mentioned before, like the dictator, you know, he just kind of reinforces that and just lets us believe that it's much more challenging to deal with it than it is to not. Um, so then the second thing is after we kind of identify the things that we are avoiding, we need to be mindful and maybe, maybe most of us kind of already know, but we need to look at how we're avoiding these things. Um, and I think that that's another important step in our growth is being able to, in, in order to be able to face these things is to become aware of your avoiding thoughts and behaviors and to acknowledge how ineffective and even harmful they are. Because up until this point, you know, we've just kind of said that they're okay, or it's a better way. But I think it's important to acknowledge for us to acknowledge to ourselves that these things that we're doing are ineffective and they are harmful. Um, and so, you know, being able to kind of make a list, I think the best way to do that is to make a list of the things that we're avoiding and then how we're avoiding them. And the things that might pop up on that list could be things like substance use. Um, that's an obvious one for people. Uh, detachment, where they just you're just avoiding feelings altogether. Um, it could be you could be some diminished interest in certain activities. You could be also avoiding activities, places, and people and things um, as a way of of trying to um, avoid stuff. Um, so whatever it is, you know, we need to bring that into our awareness and again, recognize that that's what we're doing and recognize the purpose behind it. And like I said, acknowledge to ourselves that, Hey, this is not, this is not a good thing. This is not working for me. I may have tried to tell myself that it's a better way, but in reality it's not. And I think shifting from avoidance to facing our experiences isn't easy. You know, it does take work. It takes commitment and oftentimes in therapy, I think I just that's what I'm doing is I'm helping clients to manage their ebbs and flows as they deal with their stuff um, because they can be good for a while and then they can fall off. And I think that's where the accountability is often needed is to kind of keep them moving forward in spite of some of the slips or in some in spite of some of the setbacks. Um, and I think that, you know, as they do that, their growth can be amazing and individuals, you know, they get out of their avoidance behaviors, they start to deal with things, they start to ask for different things in their lives, they start to get their needs met. Um, because, you know, again, like I've said before, is just that, that that sense of avoidance is is oftentimes we're depriving ourselves from a lot of good things that are in front of us. We're also maybe didn't you know, by denying our pain, we can be shutting ourselves off from the wisdom that it has to offer us. And that's not something we always think about either is just what, you know, what can our pain help us learn about ourselves or about life or about things that we need to know in relation to just what's, what's better for us. Um, and so we kind of just by avoiding cut ourselves off from all that stuff. So I think like I started the episode with, um, even though it was in a different topic, you know, with change, I think it's important to recognize that change and this kind of change, especially when we start dealing with stuff as opposed to avoid it, avoiding it, it will be uncomfortable. 
It will have bumps. It won't be perfect. Um, it will take time um, to, to sort these things out and to deal with them and to come to a better place with them. Um, it's going to take, it's going to take some time and effort, but I, I, I believe in the process and I believe that, you know, we can have better outcomes as we face these things in our lives. And as we lay down the, the tool of avoidance and put it away and start to really be present and, and face things that we need to face. Um, so, Anyway, hope that you were able to take some things out of today's episode and be able to apply them. And if you have any questions, again, you can email me at thevegastherapist at gmail.com. And remember to go rate and review the show on Apple. And again, this is the Vegas Therapist signing off.